Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Wow. That's a holiday weekend applause. Stan, please hold your Bibles up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had the question of Labor Day, shouldn't it be unlabor Day or non-Labor Day? If it's a holiday, you're not laboring tomorrow, right? I, it's just a thought. I have those every now and then when I get up here, and they usually get me in trouble. <laughs> but uh, today, I'm continuing kind of a series on the great exchange, only I'm going to talk about the characteristics that create greatness in our lives. And you have to exchange... Sometimes your thoughts about yourself, your attitude about yourself, your self-perspective. And uh, that's not real easy when you have a certain thought ingrained in your life for a lifetime. You're dumb. You're not ever going to make it. Our family never gets a break. The list goes on. And so we, without realizing it, we file those kinds of thoughts. We may not activate them every day, but we file them. And the whole reason the devil wants us to have those thoughts is to keep us from achieving the destiny that God has for us. That's how come the Bible says take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Uh, I grew up in such a way in a, such a neighborhood where, you know, greatness was never discussed. We were never talking about thriving. Uh, we always talked about surviving. And I'm going to tell you right now, uh, my community could have won every season on Survivor because that's all we ever learned to do was survive. And there's nothing wrong if, if it ever comes to that, but the reality is Jesus did not die for us to simply survive. Or he wouldn't have said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the full. He didn't say, I've come that you might have a little bit of life, going to have a lot of trouble, but I'll throw a dash of life in there for you. No, he said, I've come that you might have it and have it to the full. Now, we, we know that the, the demonic world does not want us to experience the life that Satan himself saw before he was cast out of heaven, and uh, it's a worship leader in heaven, cast out of heaven, and fallen because he wanted the place of God. So how many of you know when someone is sour grapes, they want you to be sour grapes? If they've had it tough and they've made mistakes, they want you to suffer their mistakes with them. And it takes a lot to overcome and, and to really rise up and be who God's called you to be and called us to be. Because every time we begin to move forward or rise up, uh, there will always be a resistance some of it is human resistance, emotional resistance, mental resistance, but a lot of it is demonic resistance. The devil says, I've come, basically God said, devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. So the idea is to prevent you and I from living the life that God has 
paid for through his son, Jesus. And so a lot of people have issue today when you talk about greatness, you talk about success. Uh, people who don't want to work hard for those things, not all people, because there are people who say, you know, I've chosen this life and I'm happy with it. But if you start raising the bar or the standard that says, I'm going to work a little harder, a little longer, I'm going to be more diligent, and you begin to excel or succeed or get blessed, how many of you know not everybody's happy that you're blessed? Not everybody's happy that you got the house they wish they would have gotten or you bought the car they wanted to buy, and, and they don't get happy with you. Matter of fact, they go home and curse you. I hope it's a lemon. It's the nature of fallen man to uh, wish poorly of someone if they themselves are not getting what you're getting. And so in order to dumb it down, they have to be critical. And so we oftentimes buy into that. And I, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble today. I'm going to say things I know that you shouldn't say, but I'm going to say them anyway. Uh, you know, folks, listen, when you live in a world where eighth place gets a trophy, there's a problem. <laughs> I mean, what? I get to show up? I should say I showed up. That's about it. That at least would be a little honest. When I was a kid, we learned if we lost, we lost. Okay? It wasn't like, okay, great job. No, you're a loser. You say, that's just mean. No, you know what it did to me? I thought, I don't want to be a loser. What do I have to do to not be a loser? And you say, well, nobody's a loser. Everybody's the winner in God. When in reality, what we're saying to somebody is, go ahead and live your life in mediocrity. And you know what? Jesus didn't say, I've come that you might live a mediocre life. Now, I'm not mad at you if you're happy where you are. Listen, I had a friend that had a small business, and he really was likable, did a great job, and he had enough business, you know, but he was a one-man show. And I said, man, you're turning business down. I said, you could hire another guy, get a truck. He said, you know what? I like my life right now. And I thought, that's all I need to know. You don't have, that's, that's greatness because he's living the life that he's chosen to live. Greatness is not defined by what you possess. It's defined by allowing yourself to be possessed by God himself. And if this is your life and this is how you want to live and you say, man, I, I've exceeded all my expectations in my world, this is great. Then that's awesome. But most people are not living the dream. If I were to survey this crowd and those of you watching online and say, you know what? Today, if you could do anything, anything, what would it be? The majority of people would not say exactly what I'm doing right now. Am I right? I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing. And, and I, I get it because I grew up in that culture where, you know, you just play the hand that was dealt you. No, I went to God, and I want a fresh deck, not a fresh hand. Yeah, I just get a new deck. Let's start this thing over. Let's do something different than anybody in my family's ever done. And then when you say that to your family, they think, well, we're not good enough. <laughs> it's like, where do I win here? I mean, you can live your life. I'm happy you like your life. I don't like mine. I want something different. Then you're criticized for not being appreciative. I'm grateful. But when God puts something in your heart, a passion, even a passion that threatens your life, you can't shut it down. 
When I, when I think about when I think about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I think about Daniel. These were guys that said, you know, my priority, I'm possessed by the will of God. You tell me I can't pray, I'm going to kick the windows open three times a day. I'm not just going to pray once. I'm doing it three times. That is absolute godly defiance. And then you're thrown to the lions. And they go from being lions to kitty cats. They didn't roar. They went, meow. God can take your lion and turn it into a kitty. God can take a fire and cause you to go, man, I need some heat up in here. It's cold in here, and it's blazing. And they come out, and not only are they not burned, they don't even smell like smoke. That's what I call greatness. People would say, you know what, I'd rather live the life God's ordained me to live. Even if it's shortened, I'd rather live that life than live outside of God's best. And let me just say this right now, and this is where I start getting into trouble. Don't walk out on me. Just pray for me. But the reality is everything that's going on in our world today, the attempt is to deposit fear in the people of America and the world to paralyze our destiny. I have been studying for the last year and a half, trying, everybody says, follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. Which science? (laughs) Tell me which one. Because you think you're so smart that you're following this one, but there are 20 others and people are going, I'm following the science, I'm following the science. They're arguing. You know, I, I love our country. I've traveled the world. I've lived in Africa. I've been a lot of places. I've been in the middle of coups, political coups, looking out at military, fighting each other. I'm just like, I've been there. And now I'm looking at our country, which I thought was one of the greatest free countries in the world, and our freedoms are being assaulted. I know I... I We're being lied to a lot. Not, not all totally, but lied to a lot. Yeah. I had breakfast with an old saint, and when I say old saint, I think 85 qualifies. And she was telling me a friend of hers is a doctor. I've known this woman for 30-some years. She and I worked together in the secular world before I became a minister. Great friend of mine. And uh, she said, you know, I have a friend that's a doctor. And, uh, and this is a true story. You can argue with it if you want, but you can't argue with facts. It's a true story. You, and you can say, well, it's not true. You can believe whatever you don't believe. But I tell you, this lady don't lie. She said, and, and one of his patients died. This was just recently. The administrator of the hospital came with a death certificate and said, you're the physician, uh, so you, you need to sign this, this document. So he got the death certificate, and he, and he looked at it. And he said, I can't sign this. And the administrator said, why? Because you're saying he died of COVID. I'm his doctor, and he didn't. Well, but it's okay because the hospital will get more money and you'll get more money. He said, what you don't understand is I'm a Christian and I cannot sign this. Now, folks, you may not be hearing these stories and, and it's okay if you're not. I have to stand up before you and I can either preach stuff that just tickles your ears or I can tell you the truth. I choose the truth. And the reason I'm sharing this is because we're living in a day where great people stand up like Caleb and they address the crowds, millions, 
that say you can't go in and take the land. We're like grasshoppers in the eyes of those who occupy it. And Caleb silenced the crowd and said, hold on. If God said we can have the promise, we're going to go get the promise. And if we die getting it, at least we died in obedience to God. I am not minimizing the reality of diseases. There are more diseases than you and I together could count today. The challenge is no disease has stopped healthy American people from living their lives. When you quarantine the healthy, it's called terror. We've got to understand that this is all about control. Get mad at me. I'm not, I'm not anti-pro, none of this. This is not about pro-vaccine, anti. It's not about pro-mask. It's not about that. This is about lying. And I was challenged this week when I read an article about pastors. And I thought, I don't want to be one of those pastors that Jesus said, why didn't you stand up and do something and say something that needed to be said? Now, don't get mad at me. And if I'm wrong, I'll certainly repent. But for the last year and a half, my studies have been very consistent. When you go behind the scenes, you say, well, behind the scenes, and people don't believe. Here's the reality. The story I'm about to read to you could be somewhat similar in that the four men had a decision to make as to what they were going to do with their lives. Their lives were not going well. They were diseased, and they were outcast. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, Elisha said, he's the prophet, hear the word of the Lord, this is what the Lord says. Now there was a famine in the country and in the city, and it says, about this time tomorrow a sea of flour will sell for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of heaven, could this happen? Now, here we are. We have a king who what? Represents the authority of government that day. You will see with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. Now, think about this man, this prophet, just for a minute. He is addressing, there's a famine, and he's saying, there's going to be so much food tomorrow that it's going to be sold at dollar general prices. Okay, family dollar, dollar tree. (laughs) There's going to be so much. And the king is saying, it's not even possible. And you have a prophet saying, let me just tell you, and you won't get any of it. We're living in a world where we, if we are not careful... There will be a handful of people that will try to control your destiny and paralyze the possibilities that come with knowing God. I wish I was so much more like Joel so I could preach this real quietly and with a smile. I realize I got a jagged edge, but I I, I love God and I love the people of God and I hate the lies that we're being fed. I hate them. And some of you think it's true and you can get mad at me and I get that. It's okay. I'm not mad at you. But if you have not studied this and all you've done is listen to critical news networks, you're in trouble. 
These four men that I'm about to talk about had heard both sides of the story. In the city, outside the city, and outcast. And it goes on to say, Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. If we say, if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. This is the enemy, by the way. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we die. They had a decision to make. You and I have a decision to make. Greatness does not happen by accident. Greatness is not the result of a talent or skill that you and I have. It's the result of rising up and sharpening that gift and that skill in the face of adversity and opposition. And trust me, don't expect everybody to get on board until you own a yacht. Now you're their friend. Oh, yeah, I believed in you. Where were you when I was going through hell with kerosene? Where were you when everybody was criticizing me? Where were you? Now, we got four guys here about to make a decision that will not only change their lives, but will change the lives of an entire city. A city that cast them outside the walls. A city that said, you're just going to go out there and die. So just sit outside because we don't want your contagiousness to be inside the walls of our city. And they're having this conversation. At dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired Hittite and Egyptians, uh, kings, to attack us. So they got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Four lepers, digits falling off, legs I'm doing my best to make this an illustrated sermon. I want you to grasp the reality of what these four men that we read over and go, isn't that a great story? It's only a great story if you're not the one with leprosy dragging your legs to the enemy camp. Instead of saying, we're just going to sit here and die Are we going to beg the king for mercy and let us into the city so that we can have just a little bit to eat in the midst of famine? They said, forget it. Greatness requires great faith. It requires great action. Sometimes greatness requires that you stand alone, live alone, and feel like nobody's in your corner, and you still go, I know this is the will of God. Let's just jump over to the greatest of all time, Jesus, who... I mean, you're thinking this is the Son of God. He had proved himself in every way. And yet he has one knucklehead named Judas who went, hmm. I'm thinking if you got one enemy, you're good. Jesus had one. 
But he only had these minimal amount of friends. Why? You'd think everybody would be chasing him around. I would hope if I would have been an outcast and not elected to be one of the 12, I would have been 13, somewhere around there floating. Who's that guy? He's number 13. God said you could only have 12. I'm saying, well, God, one of them's an idiot. I'm waiting to replace him. <laughs> you say, well, that's just arrogant. No, that's called confident. When you say, God, I am not going to bow down, back off, back away. I'm not doing any of that. And these four guys are scrubbing along, and, and they get to the camp, and they see all this stuff. Now, you've got to understand, if this, were, if this were today, this would be similar to, we won the lottery. And you went from having no friends to having a whole community that wants to hang out with you now. Because most people will never invest enough of their life to experience the greatness of God. The end of life, there's one thing I want everyone to be able to say, I lived until I died. You say, well, duh. No, because a lot of people will say, I existed until I died. I survived until I died. You say, well, what are you trying to say, Mark? I'm trying to get your courage up. I'm trying to get your confidence up. I'm not trying to put anybody down. I'm trying to lift everybody up. And, and there's greatness in you. You say, well, how do you know? Well, in Psalm 1835, out of the New Century Version, it says, you protect me with your saving shield. You support me with your right hand. You have stooped down to make me great. The psalmist is talking about God getting down and saying, you have greatness in you. It's like God stooping. The king, the, the creator of heaven and earth. Saying, I'm putting greatness in you. He didn't say popularity. There are a lot of great people you and I will never know. I, I think about Billy Graham and I had the privilege of speaking uh, to his staff uh, before he passed and I, I, I felt so out of my element, all these massive group of people in Billy Graham's team. And I think we look at Billy Graham, or I did, as probably one of the greatest men I've ever known, and I didn't know him well. I know his grandson. I don't know him well. But here's what I do know. This was a man who surrendered his life to God. And as we see him in crusades and videos of the past crusades, and everybody goes, we just love him. Do you know how many people hated him? you know how many people wanted to take him out, take him down, make his reputation of no good? Because he stood up for God. But let me ask you this question. Let's go back about two generations. Who led Billy Graham to the Lord? Who led, you go to D.L. Moody, you go all these guys. And, and, and we, Billy Graham wasn't trying to make his name great. He was making God's name great. That's the greatness. You know, people, I have a friend who's very wealthy, had nothing. When I met him, he almost had, almost had nothing. But he, in a park, he cried out to God one day, and he said, God, I have four kids. I got a hole in my floorboard of my vehicle. If you will bless me. And let me tell you, that man has done everything he told God to do, and now today he's multi-gazillionaire. And, and he, I mean, he, this guy's been so good to me. When I went through everything I went to, he would, I'm not even going to use his name. He said, I will pay for your daughter's college for four years. 
I said, what? He said, oh, it's nothing, Mark. I've done this for numerous people. You'll never know and he'll never tell you. He's a great man, but he's not great for him. He's great because God has blessed him and he has given God all the glory. There's greatness. You may be sitting in that same place today with hole in your floorboard and your life is messed up and you've given up. One leper stood up and said, hey, if we... we go into the city, we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. Hey, let's march toward the enemy camp. Four lepers, no weapons. A total camp is evacuated. Now, here's where this really gets good. Here's what greatness does. Then they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. Now, this is when you know that greatness is from God and connected back to God. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Why? Because we're being selfish. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Now, this is where the prophet Elisha, the prophecy comes to pass. They got all this food. Four lepers, get this, who had been set outside the city to die by the leaders. And they're coming back. And rather than doing what was done to them, they did what should have been done to them. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Don't do unto others as they have done unto you. It's as you would have them do to you. This is greatness. And greatness is resident in everyone in this place and everyone watching online. God has stooped down to make you great. What will you do with that possibility? Think about Neil Armstrong, and some of you will know who I'm talking about, and young generation may not. No, I'm serious. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we got all this social media in the world, but we got a bunch of dumb stuff being put on there. You know what I'm saying? And uh, what we, we don't know is during his childhood, Neil Armstrong, we know him as the man who stepped on the moon and said that's one small step for man, a giant leap for mankind. We all remember that, that are over 40 <laughs> and I passed that a long time ago. <laughs> but we remember those words. What we don't know is that 16 years old, this young man was working with model airplanes and creating wind tunnels in his parents' basement. He had his first pilot's license when he was 16 years old. He sensed greatness. And while everybody else is out clowning around and playing and doing all this stuff, he's in there developing what God put in him. Greatness doesn't just happen. Greatness is not bestowed upon us, at least in the God world, because God knows that with greatness comes a character that says, when I fall down, I get up. When I meet resistance, I step up. When I meet doubt, I speak up. These are the things that greatness does in the face of adversity. We don't lay down, we don't die, and we don't cry. Four lepers changed history in that moment because they were determined to trust God. I found loving God is rather easy. Trusting God is rather difficult. I wish I trusted God every moment of every day. And you may not want a pastor who doesn't. I wouldn't be your guy. 
Because there are just days I look at God and I go, really? Now, I don't know what kind of relationship you, ha- you have with God, but mine's pretty rough. Because I think, I think my God went to the same high school I did. I think he gets me. You say, well, did he go in person? No, but I know he was there going, wow. Trusting God. These four lepers trusted the decision that they made to trust the God who made them. Greatness considers the cost ahead of time. And it says, I'm willing to pay the price. It's willing to pay it anyway, even in the face of adversity. They said, if we die, we die. But at least we die trying. Never throw your hands up. Never quit. Never stop. God's got a plan for your life. The question is, are you buying into that plan? Great people treat others differently than they are treated. Great people live by their decisions and not the decisions of others. What I'm doing today would not have been the decision of my family. In fact, it was discouraged. Not that they didn't love God. It's just that I had an uncle who, who didn't do so well in ministry. And, and he, you know, he was, he was bivocational. He could never get the church to where it needed to be for him to be exclusively. So they didn't see this as a, a really good vocational, professional decision. But I knew in my heart, like those lepers, that I had to get up and I had to walk the way that God called me to walk. You won't always have a crowd cheering you on. And if you do, one week they'll be saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And the next week they'll be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Ask Jesus. Sometimes living for God will require that you momentarily stand alone. You'll momentarily face resistance without any support. It's very, very important that we understand that anything that's worth having will be met with those who don't want you to have it. And sometimes you have to live the dream alone. I, my fourth child is a, all of them are mus- musical, and he's uh, working in a recording been recording in LA for almost nine years now and and he's done well and he's worked with some big artists including some American Idol people and uh, he kind of got bored with that he's like dad I, I just am tired of studio and his prima donnas and yada 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 and so he calls me one day and he says I got this idea and you got to understand I as a dad you know how it is you really don't want your kids to come back home It's a very sad truth. Some of you have children. You can't imagine them being gone. Once they're gone, you can't imagine them being home. And he calls and says, I had this idea. And he said, I was Googling. And women, you know, you guys, you ladies do all the spa stuff and all that. You know, your husband probably has gross feet, toenails that jab you in the night. You know, we're just men. We're like cavemen. And so my son decided he didn't find anything where there was a foot peel for men. Now, there are all kinds of foot peels for women because I guess you all just like that, you know. And, and so he said, I'm going I'm to do this deal. So I, I thought, well, what can I say, you know. Well, they're blowing it up. They are now the number one foot peel for men in the country, if not the world. 
And he said, Dad, he said, I, I, I won't even tell you how much they're making because you'll get mad. Because <laughs> after all, you didn't create foot peel for men. So I just simply said, Joe, peel on, baby, peel on. <laughs> and so if you want to know what it is, you can go to Amazon and, and you can Google. Uh, it's Phoenix Foot Peel for men, Phoenix. Very cool logo, the whole thing. And I said, Joe, how's it going? He's telling me how great it's going. He said, now, I said, what's your next step? He said, well, we've marketed very little. Now we're stepping up our marketing. And he said, my ultimate goal is that Walmart buys it and we walk away. I thought, don't forget me when you come into your kingdom. (laughs) Remember, I was the voice that said, go for it. You leprous individual, walk toward the enemy's camp and go get it done. And I'm going to try to close with this thought unless another one comes. <laughs> Great people are simply common people with an uncommon tenacity and resolve to experience the greatness of God. You know, I fought back after all of my situations. You come back to Oklahoma City, and everything's going great, and then we have a pandemic which has numerous other names than that. Church after church closed and, you know, they couldn't weather the storm. And understandably so. People frantic, panicked, went into survival mode. And I just said, you know what? Devil, I'm coming back with a vengeance. We're going to see a move of God like we've never seen. The problem with most of us is we look around and we buy what the world's selling. It can never happen. It'll never be the same. Yada, 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 yada. Let me tell you something. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, and I have not seen that happen yet. So I'm just still saying, God, let it be. Let it be. Let it happen to me. No, I'm <laughs> And you, and everybody too. (laughs) What you believe for, you must stand for, you must fight for. Don't give in. I love people. If you can ask them how you're doing, and they are right in the middle of the biggest hell you could ever imagine, but they ain't going to tell you about it because they're going to talk about, I'm good. You say, well, that's lying. No, that's called faith. Now, I I face reality, but I'm an optimist to the nth degree. And if somebody say, how are you doing? I'm richly blessed, highly favored, empowered to prosper, walking in divine health, going from victory to victory and glory to glory. But with you praying for me, everything's about to get spectacular. And right now, this week has sucked. But I ain't telling you about how it sucketh. Because I just fought through. I just decided, you know what? I'm going to the enemy's camp. You got what I need. I'm coming after you. I want to encourage us, and those of you watching online, I want you to hear me. I have no criticism of any of you. I do have criticism of our government, but I have no criticism of you. Because I believe that the idea is to take the freedoms that great men and women have given their lives for 
and we're expected to bow our knee to a bunch of people who aren't any smarter than we are. And I know those of you who feel bad about yourself disagree with that, but I want you to feel good about yourself because you're very brilliant. You're intelligent people. And I'm not trying to be defiant, but I am trying to stand and say, live your life. Stand strong. Love people. Don't criticize people who are different. Live your commitment that you have. Live the convictions you possess. Because the idea of, of hell is to divide and conquer. That's why we have all these denominations. And I wish we could all just say, look, why don't we believe this? Jesus, Son of God, he came to die for the sins of all mankind. He did that. He rose from the dead, and he's coming back. Can we all agree? That's all I need. I don't care if you believe in baby baptism or dunk, die, and hold them down. That was ours. They wanted to see when they saw bubbles, how much is your faith? Yeah, we did real baptisms in my church, baby. Dunk them until they dead. <laughs> we just wanted to see how, how you were going to hold on. But to me, it's about saying, you know what? We're not going to be divided. I mean, I love every church preaching Jesus. I love every church preaching Jesus, but I want us to live the life that Jesus paid for us to live. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Everything that's going on right now is very real. But if you're going to ask me, ask me if I'm afraid of going to heaven, if I were on the streets, I'd answer that very emphatically. Oh, heaven, no. I am not afraid to go to heaven. Now, I'm not trying to go today, but if today's the day, I just wish God would tell me and I'd go run up every credit card I got. <laughs> You'd see me in a Ferrari today. <laughs> and I'd leave somebody here with the payments or repo. <laughs> it's real simple. You know, I have to break it a little light because some of you are going, oh, God. <laughs> I love life, I love to laugh. I love y'all. I love all of you watching online. Some of you should be here. No condemnation. You know, God is good. And there is no way you're going to be defeated. You don't have to worry about it. If you called on the name of the Lord, you can be a little bit as mean as a snake. I hate this, man. God said if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. There are going to be some mean people at the gate. I don't know how God's going to deal with that. Okay, meanness, come on. I don't know how that's going to work. But we measure everybody else in life. And, and you know what? There are going to be just as many people shocked that you're there <laughs> as you are that they're there. In fact, I believe God's going to put us all on a bus looking and go, What? And they're going to go, what, back at you? And everybody else on the bus is going to go, what? Because we're only saved by grace. Not our good works. But God wants to be glorified through your life. Stay happy. Love people. Be kind.
but be honest, but be kind. Nobody's your enemy but the devil. Good time for a wife to elbow her husband. I am not your enemy. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you stooped down. You took the energy and the time being the creator of heaven and earth and you stooped down to make us great. Many of us felt inferior, unworthy. How could you use somebody like me? But Jesus, you make all things possible and you make all things beautiful. I pray for everyone watching. I pray for everyone in here that we would accept the fact that we need to surrender our lives to your greatness instead of surrendering our lives to our doubt, our fear. That we will rise up in the face of great adversity and difficulty and we'll believe in you. We'll trust you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we always pray a prayer to give people an opportunity to receive Christ. And so what I want to do right now is ask everyone in the building, everyone watching online, just to close your eyes just for a moment and begin to dream, to imagine. One person said, well, you know, you don't imagine as a Christian. Well, the Bible says he's able to do more than we can think or imagine according to the power that works in us. Maybe you've imagined your life going downhill, your marriage, your job, your business. I want you to begin to see it through the eyes of God. Imagine that God is getting ready to catapult you to a new level of greatness. And once you get there, you have to make a decision ahead of time that that greatness will not just be possessed by you, but like the four lepers, that it would be something that God would say, I'm using you and the greatness I put on you to not just minister to you, but to minister to others, to share with others. That becomes the greater difficulty once you have is going, now I have to control. You didn't get there by control. You got there by surrender. That's what the lepers did. So I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. And those of you that are praying it for the first time, God's going to touch your life. You're going to open your spiritual eyes. God is getting ready to come into your life and drastically reform you and transform you into the person that he paid for you to become. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to suffer and die for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I thank you. Amen. Now, a great thing just happened right there. Those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time, the greatest thing that could ever happen just happened. You are now saved. You say, I don't feel saved. How am I saved? I, it's not about a feeling. It's about a fact. That's what the Bible says. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So do me a favor. Text the word SAVED to 405-513-10. 405-513-10. Put SAVED, and you can put your name, SAVED in your name. And let me just tell you, we'll pray for you. But more importantly, you're making a statement that that digital text, I'm just going to send it right through hell and all the devils are going to scream. Anyway, God saved you, and now you accepted his salvation, heaven bound. So text us and let us know. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. 
We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.